listening to the Sit Down Standout Show, the podcast where people with all abilities and challenges can stand out from the rest, even if they've got to sit down to do it. I'm Ben and Dykstra, the Rolling Dragon, and it's time for this show to take flight. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Sit Down Standout Show. The podcast that gives people with all abilities and challenges a chance to stand out from the rest, even if you've got to sit down to do it. I'm recording, actually, on Boxing Day. So if you're through boxing up gifts that you'd like to return, or you're done watching people box in the squared circle, please pay attention to this week's episode. I've got a special guest with me all the way from Frankfurt, Germany. She is an actor. She is in school for her degrees in neuroscience and psychology. Please give a good guten tag welcome to Lucille Seppi. Lucille, how are you? Good, thank you. How are you today? I'm doing very well. At first, I was a little nervous that this wasn't going to happen because we've been getting a lot of snow in Canada, so the power's been kind of off and on lately. Oh, no. (laughs) But at least there's snow, I guess. I hope that's nice. Oh, yeah, we definitely have a white Christmas. I think we've got nearly a foot on the ground. That's cool. I love that. Wish we had snow here. It's not been snowing. It's getting warmer. It's about 10 degrees Celsius out here. Oh, could be worse. Could be. Could be. At least it's nice for a stroll. Yes, it is. So you and I actually met, I feel like, a year ago now, via the Backstage website, when I was just in the process of planning this podcast. So when you filled out your audition form, I definitely wanted you on the show right away, but at the time I was like, hmm, how do I plan this in a way that makes sense? <laughs> that's, that's funny to hear. Thank you. All right, so let's get started at the beginning. Now, you mentioned in your audition video that, unfortunately, you had to leave home at the age of 15 because, unfortunately, there was some family issues going on. A lot of uh, alcoholism in the family. So can you kind of describe uh, that process? Like, was it always an issue in the family? Like, when did it start for you? Um, It's always been an issue. Um, It's always been around. It was definitely one of those, I guess, family secret things, you could say. Um, So something that everyone tried to keep hidden, but it was very difficult to hide. And um, that process of moving out, I think, started quite late for how long the issue itself has been had been around. And um, yeah, you're correct. I was 15 and um, it was just getting to the point where, you know, um, my carer couldn't take care of me. Um, So we found a different way to go out and a lot of people were involved. It was definitely a good decision, but it wasn't easy. I was a child, you know. Right. Yeah. And when you move out at that age, it's not normal. You have to grow up very quick yeah. to try to realize, okay, nobody's going to look after me except myself now. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I was very lucky in the sense that I got to live with a family for about, I lived there for about eight months, I think. Um, that was really welcoming um, and kind. And we got along really well. And I was able to stay in the same school and in the same place. and. Um, 
none of my family were around. Um, so all of my family lived in a different area, but I was still able to remain around people I knew and the school that I went to, which is very, very nice. Um, because it definitely gave me kind of a sense of security. Absolutely. And it could have been a lot worse because I've had relatives who leave home at 16 and then they're, they've had to go to shelters for a while to just get somewhere warm to sleep. Yeah, exactly. I think that's the biggest fear of uh, leaving that early. And that was the reason why it was put off so long. It's kind of this idea of where am I going to go? What am I going to do? How am I going to continue my education? Um, how am I going to live with with all that guilt of leaving the family, um, I guess? And for me, that was kind of alleviated with this sense of still having this sense of belonging and a community to be around. Very, I'm very grateful for that. I can totally understand that, because even though you had to leave the family that you were born into, you still had people that you could rely on even afterwards. Yeah. But what would you say when you left home? Because that had to be a very traumatic experience. What would you say was your biggest takeaway or lesson that you've learned from that experience? I think what you mentioned earlier, the growing up really early is really, a, I mean, it's a double-edged sword in the sense that I really shouldn't have grown up this early, but it gave me a lot of skills I learned so early on and that I feel make my life, made my life very hard at the time, but now so much easier because I feel like there's a lot of things I've gone through and learned and maybe even mastered to the point where I feel like I don't need to learn it now. And I see a lot of my peers at my age, I think, um, just trying to get around kind of this this idea of adulthood and just managing things. And I think this mental load is kind of not on me because um, I feel like I've I've found a way to deal with that very early on. Um, but I would definitely not attribute that to trauma and say it's a great thing I have trauma because now I can function. Um, it definitely brought a lot of pain. But um yeah, I guess that's what I would take away from that situation. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a fair point, because when you leave home, you do have to grow up quickly just to survive, even if you do have people in your life that you know and that care yeah. about you. There are certain things that you have to realize really, really yeah. quick. Um, now, over the years, you've mentioned that you've gone to therapy to try to deal with the post-traumatic stress disorder of what happened. Now that you've gone to therapy, how do you practice self-care from a physical and a mental health standpoint? Um, in therapy, I learned a lot of tools um, to deal. Well, the first tools I learned were really to just kind of get back into life, get back into society, kind of function again um, and find a way to rely on other people, I think, is the very first thing, um, because with PTSD, um, there comes a lot of lot of guilt and frustration and anger and um, kind of to work through that, um, it, you need other people to survive and you need other people um, to, to shape you and to form you, especially at that young age. I think one of the first tools I, I learned was um, letting other people know how I am, being, being honest um, and really letting other people see the emotions that I'm feeling and letting myself as a child at that time receive the care that I needed. And I still carry that with me to today to try and be as honest as, as I can. Um, physically, I would say um, to really keep my environment clean, um, to try and keep my environment as 
as motivating as possible um, and not let bad days get in the way of of how I how I spend my days um, and really trying to distance, you know, my emotions and the, the triggers that happen from myself where I am now. So I think uh, the key lesson that you've taken away from that is being open to communication, letting people yeah. know that, hey, not feeling very well right now, need some comfort and attention, not in the sense of, oh, give me what was me, but in the sense of, okay, I'm not feeling very well. I need to look after myself. So by telling people, hey, not doing very well, you're actually doing a healthy thing because most people, when they deal with a trauma, they'd rather forget about it, bottle it up, drown it with substances. Yeah. Whereas the important thing is letting it out, explaining the issue, explaining what your needs are so that you can ultimately move past it. Yeah, that's that's very well said. Very well. Um, very well said. I really agree with that. And uh, you can really see the difference it makes to kind of just let people know where you are at, even just a little message like you just mentioned, hey, I'm not doing very well. I'm, I might not respond or even something like that can really help uh, strengthen the bonds you already have. And those bonds will later on then be able to really support you and catch you in case you do fall. Speaking of support, taking a break from the actual PTSD. I looked at your resume, and my goodness, it is quite extensive with all the athletic activities you've done. Horseback riding, archery, scuba diving, acting. You've done a few performances in theaters in Frankfurt. And I have to ask, what has performing as an actress meant to you? Has it been something fun? Has it been a hobby? Or has it been an outlet for when times were not so good in your life? I remember when I was really young, um, I was just discovering, you know, films and acting really, really young. And I talked to my dad about it. And one of the things he said was he mentioned this example, you know, why acting is such a great thing is because you can step out of yourself and into someone else and into an, a different life. And um I carry that with me whenever I do acting, um, whether that's in the theater or somewhere else. And I really like this idea of being able to step out outside of yourself, whether that's for a day as an extra or for a week or months, even putting together a performance or a show. And um, that that is feelings of joy. That is that is fun. Um, but it is also very much escapism in a sense, um, but also creating and and putting something out there to leave behind, which also carries an essence of you in a way. So it really is a mix of everything. I can totally get it as someone who I also act as well. I've been in a couple of virtual theater plays, so I can totally understand the. it's fun to put on the different outfits and be somebody else. But you also have to find a balance because you can have fun, but you also have to realize that this is just a temporary escape. You have to get back to reality as well. Very much. That's very important. And I think by this sense of bringing something of yourself into whatever you're creating, you kind of keep that balance, at least for me, I find bringing the the, the feelings I've had and the experiences I've had and just my voice, even just in the literal sense, I feel like my voice really grounds and connects me when I'm acting. Um, the just hearing myself speak uh, is kind of that tie between what I'm creating and that escapism and me and the truth that I bring to whatever I'm doing. Oh, yeah. Whenever I'm speaking, I always listen back to my voice and I'm like, 
this is a separate person. This isn't me. <laughs> really? Oh, that's interesting. How different kind of these feelings well, can I... be. Well, it's the same thing with like when you are a teenager and people's voices change as they get older. You don't necessarily hear the same voice that's recorded on the microphone that's in your head. That is true. Every time I used to try and sing and listen back to those audios, oh, I don't even want to remember that. Very funny. It's kind of a big distortion. Hey, my fellow standouts, it's the Rolling Dragon, Ben and Dykstra, here to ask you a couple of questions as we reach the halfway point in our program. Has life thrown you a curveball? Have you lived with what many people would consider unfortunate circumstances or unique challenges? How have you turned them around into something positive for yourself and for others? Is it your time to stand out from the rest? Well then, register as a guest at www.rollingdragonmedia.com and get ready to stand out from the rest. And now, for the rest of our story. Absolutely. You've experienced a lot of emotions from dealing with the PTSD, from the escapism and acting. So now you're in school for psychology and neuroscience. Where did the desire to get an education into the human mindset come from? Because that can lead you down a rabbit hole in itself. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's kind of this like joke or stereotype going around that everyone with a mental illness becomes a psychologist one day, uh, or at least every psychologist uh, has one. Um, I don't know. I, I think um, it's just as a career, it has a lot of uh, skill sets that I feel like I carry. So I feel like just generally as a career path, it's very fitting to me as a person. But also when choosing what I wanted to do, um, I was just kind of thinking back on what I, what films do I like to watch? What books do I like to read? What do I like to talk about? What do I like to read about? What do I like to think about? And every time I felt like I came back to the big why, you know, why do we do things? Where does this come from? How is this connected to what I already know? You know, things I learned in biology and chemistry. Um, and I remember in biology class, I used to be really interested in in neuroscience and in neurological pathways and how Alzheimer's developed. And I just kept thinking, you know, that would be really interesting to learn more about. And I that is really kind of the 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 basis on which I chose psychology with an aim of going into neuroscience um, is this idea, this this hope to maybe answer some whys. Obviously I cannot answer all of them, but I will try some. That sounds like quite the adventure. How is that going, by the way? Because we tried to arrange our interview a little earlier, but you were in the middle of school at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, sorry about that, but it is actually going really well. I'm putting the work in. I feel I've I've chosen the right university. I've chosen the right place. I feel very comfortable. Um, I met a lot of very nice people. I really get on with most of my professors. The lectures are great, and I love love reading and getting to know all these different aspects of psychology it's really nice i'm really enjoying it thank you well i'm glad to hear that i felt the same way when i went into radio broadcasting right i graduated right before the pandemic and everybody went nuts oh wow yeah i can imagine that so what is next for you after you graduate because we all have to remember that it's a great day when you get the diploma but you have to remember that jobs do not come right away. And with a job in neuroscience, 
and in psychology, those are the kinds of jobs where when you're in it, you're probably going to be in that job for a long, long time. And what I mean is in one position at a time, because they pay very well and they're very well valued. But at the same time, you're going to have to work very hard just to prove to them, hey, I deserve this job. So what's next for you? Are you going to continue with your acting and performing or are you going to put that to the side? Um, I would like to stay in education uh, for a long time. I'm aiming to do a PhD, which is uh, very far ahead in the future for me at the moment, but it is definitely something I'm working towards. And I'm obviously a big believer in work-life balance and doing the things you enjoy. And um, for me, choosing psychology at first very much felt like giving up on my my acting and and all the love I have for creative and cultural industries. Um, but the older I grow, the more I realize choosing one path doesn't mean giving up on another one. It just means you have to find a different type of balance. And I really want to continue acting. I love the theater. It, it gives me so much joy. Um, and I couldn't imagine a life without it, I think. Um, and I am going to spend a lot of time working. I'm sure, as you said, it is an incredibly hardworking field. Um, so there is even so much more need for some balance and some some joy and something where you can maybe escape. Yeah, I totally understand that because I'm doing this, hoping one day to make a living out of it. And then at the same time, I'm a freelancer auditioning for voiceover roles and then trying to find a job in my local area at the same time. So trying to find that balance between, okay, needing to pay the bills and trying to give yourself something that's fulfilling is so important yeah. because you can't go through life just making money and just surviving. That's, that's like you're alive, but you're not really living. Yeah, that is also one of the things my dad has mentioned, the all-around wise man. Um, the, the worst kind of person is the one that is not living. Um, I feel like there's a quote out of some book that I should remember here, but I sadly don't. Um, but yeah, it is incredibly important. I think people talk a lot about passion and finding the one thing you're passionate about. But I think it is so much better to just be passionate about yourself and investing in yourself and, you know, keeping that inner child awake. And that can come in so many forms. I feel like it would be sad to reduce that to one thing. And I think, um, obviously there's real world things that come in the way, but at the same time, I do really truly believe that there is a way that you can act and become a psychologist and write a book and read a ton and have cats and enjoy your life. Um, and I guess that's at the end of the day what I'm aiming for, just, you know, keeping that curiosity in life and just being content. I can totally understand that because I was, I started this podcast in October is when the first episodes launched. And then right around the same time, I got cast to do another virtual play with the theater company in New York. And in my head, I'm going, okay, we have to rehearse every day. I have these interviews I have to book. I'm like, okay, there's no need to pull your hair up. Just take it easy one day at a time. <laughs> one day at a time. That is so important. I love the song by Elton John, by the way. One day at a time. It's an incredible tune. <laughs> Very I, fitting. I will have to listen to that one because I know Elton John. I just don't remember that song. Um, going back to the PTSD experience, 
for anyone who might be listening, who is either going through a similar issue or has someone who has an alcohol problem within the family, what advice would you give to them? Um, first thing I would definitely say is if you're not in therapy, uh, go for it, try it out. Um, and also with therapy comes, um, you will find a lot of self-reflection that might not be accepted within the groups you you live in whether that's your family or your friends um there will be a lot of friction you will create a lot of friction but i think the most important thing is to realize that friction is change and that is good change um and is not something that should scare you away um and i know that can be really difficult but aside from communication and learning tools i think is really important to recognize that that friction that mix of being uncomfortable and being anxious but also being a little bit excited um is really just a spark inside yourself that's kind of growing again and to really feel that and um to kind of just work with yourself um not for anyone else right because if you can't help yourself you can't help other people Yes, um, I do. I do think, you know, typical airplane example um, is putting the mask on yourself first before anyone else. Um, That is really, really important. But I also do really believe um, while I do think you need to help yourself first, I do think you can love other people before you fully love yourself. And I think that is also something that is really, really important is to remember to be kind and to remember that you know, your trauma isn't who you are and that you with PTSD um, have this thing, which is basically you can imagine it like glasses being put on you that makes you see the world in a more negative way. Um, and that is really difficult to deal with. Um, but remember, no one's out to get you. Um, the world isn't out to get you. You deserve good things. Um, and just as anyone else, you deserve to be happy too. And kind of just try and once you have it, spread that happiness. Absolutely. Spread it like Nutella on toast. (laughs) Yeah. So, Lucille, it has been amazing to talk to you on this show. Uh, Where can people find you if they would like to hire you for either an acting job or for some work or if they just want to reach out and maybe kind of share their story the way you've shared your story? I have an Instagram that is lucille.pauline. Um, so basically just my name. <laughs> you can find me there and you can reach me there. Um, I am also on backstage, as you mentioned earlier on. Um, but I think the best way to reach me would be via Instagram. Okay, that is great. Um, how has the how have the relationships in your life changed throughout the experience? Like are you and your family on better terms now? Definitely. Um, I think going to therapy and the people in my life also starting to go to therapy um, has really opened up space for us to come back together as a family and kind of find those natural family dynamics again that we didn't have before. And it's really great to see, you know, the communication getting better every day and us coming together. We're all here together for Christmas at the moment, which is really, really nice. And um, I'm just really lucky and really happy to see that, you know, that friction that I created has been responded to well by my family and has been accepted. And uh, they all accepted that as a, you know, need to change, need to grow. And we're kind of all getting there. 
Well, that is amazing. That is the best kind of ending to a story that you can expect. Lucille, do you have any final thoughts before we wrap this up? Any final thoughts? Um, you know, don't don't get yourself. Um, how, how do I put this? Don't let yourself, you know, be limited by this big idea of finding one love, one passion, one big thing for your life. Try everything um, and just stay in those places where you find joy. It doesn't matter whether that's a person or a thing. Um, it can be many things. Um, just don't let yourself get reduced by anyone else. I could not have said it better myself, Lucille. It has been a pleasure to have you on our show. And that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Sit Down Standout Show. I am Ben and Dykstra, the Rolling Dragon. She is Lucille. And from all of us here at the Sit Down Standout Show, we shall see you next time. Auf Wiedersehen. Tschüss. <laughs>